I have a really special treat for all of you. About 10 years ago, when I arrived here uh, in the Bay Area, I was told that there were, uh, among the pastors I needed to meet, there was two at uh, Menlo Presbyterian Church that I needed to meet. The first was the senior pastor there at the time, Pastor John Artberg, who's a friend of mine, dear friend of mine till this day. The second was the pastor of congregational care. His name was Pastor Frank Vanderswan. And I was told that his heart uh, to love people across generations and across circumstances was legendary. I took him out to lunch and I found out that what I'd heard about him was not even the half. We were immediately, our hearts were immediately knitted together. And over the last decade, my admiration for him has just simply continued to grow. Now, in addition to his uh, role at uh, Menlo as the pastor of congregational care, he has this remarkable gift for teaching and preaching. You know, he was born in uh, the Netherlands, raised in Canada for 53 years. He's been married to a marvelous woman by the name of Judy. He's got three kids and uh, six grandkids ranging from eight to 26. And it is that remarkable gift of teaching that I want to bless you with today. So in a few moments after this prayer, the next voice you're going to hear is my dear, dear friend, Pastor Frank. God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. What a joy it is to be alive. And as I pray, I want to acknowledge that those among those watching us today are those who are hurting, those who are confused, and those who are grieving, those who are trying to find their way. God, I pray for comfort. I pray for peace. I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will be a light in the midst of darkness. And I also pray for the teaching of your word, that through the teaching of your word, that all of us will be both enlightened, encouraged, and empowered to be a blessing exactly where we are living. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, one of the great things uh, about retirement is retirement, right? And uh, so when Pastor Herman asked me if I'd consider preaching the week that I retire, I said to my wife, what do you think? She says, well, what is retirement? Well, retirement is, as a pastor, never really retiring. I, I don't think you kind of ever give up uh, what God puts in your heart. And so luckily, my wife of 53 years, who loves me a lot and understands me and puts up with me, said, go for it. And so here I am. But there's another thing that uh, Herman doesn't know about me. A lot of people don't know about me. I'm a kind of a bit of a car fanatic. I love automobiles, any kind. I happen to have uh, a Citron de Chevaux, which is not going to mean much to a whole lot of people, which is why I have it. Uh, but not only do I have an actual 1987 Citron, I also have a collection of models of Citrons probably numbering somewhere in the hundreds. Now, there's a point to why I'm telling you this. I have those models, little cars, this all different kinds of colors, shapes, uh, different styles. I have them all in a uh, glass cupboard in my office at home. And my youngest grandson uh, was told, you can look at them, but you can't touch them, to which he agreed. Well, one day I, uh, the family was over, they left, I went back into my office and I look on the bottom of that cupboard and outside on the ground was a piece that was minuscule, but I recognized it came from one of those cars. 
And I thought, that little kid went into the cupboard when he wasn't supposed to and played with my toys. And as soon as I said that, I thought, Frank, what's wrong with you, man? Uh, They're toys, and he's a little boy. Of course he wants to play with them. So that was the moment when I kind of decided, okay, from now on, those cupboard doors can be open. Because the reality of it is all those things that I prize so much, what's going to happen to them when I die? They'll be in a garage sale somewhere, sold as a lot for maybe five bucks or 10 cents a piece. And that uh, little incident reminded me of what's important in life. And let me tell you, I don't know exactly where you're all at in, uh, in your life and what you're thinking. And I know we've been through a lot through this season of COVID. But the most secure thing you will have and the most important thing you'll ever have in your life is your relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And that means different things to different people. But what it means to me is security. It means keeping myself focused on the things that are important. And that's why even when I think about retirement, I can never take my eyes off God. Uh, I just, I can't imagine myself golfing or fishing or doing any of that stuff. There's too much important work that is left to be done for the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ, as my own Savior and my own Lord, uh, he's got to have center place. Now, I'm going to share a scripture with you in a minute, but I want to tell you the preamble to that scripture that I'm going to share with you. And it's from Colossians 3. So if you have a Bible with you, just open that Bible up to that passage. And in the, the piece that I'm going to read, I'm going to precede that And in the very first part of that chapter, Colossians chapter 3, Paul makes this really interesting statement, which to me is tied to my little car connection, my grandson, and my focus on Jesus Christ. Paul writes there, he says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above. Uh, Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I think That little car collection of mine reminded me very clearly that often uh, I think our our hearts and our minds are totally in the wrong direction. And Paul here reminds us that we've been changed. We've been bought. Uh, God has loved us with an incredible grace and has given us the most amazing gift, a gift of life. Life that is not just here, but life that is eternal. And uh, the life here is going to be different. So again, I don't know kind of where you're at or how you're feeling today. It may have been an incredibly rough week. It may have been a tough day already for you. But let me tell you that without Jesus Christ at the center of all of that, uh, we're rudderless. And we will be scrambling and looking for some kind of meaning and looking for direction. And we're never going to find it. So Paul says, keep your eyes focused on the things that are important. And then he says, if you do that, there's going to be a phenomenal change in your life. And that's what he goes on to describe in verse 12 and following. And that's what I'm going to read to you now. And we'll kind of take that apart a little bit. In Colossians 3.12, Paul says there this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive each other whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then he says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and, with, and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, there is, uh, if we're looking for a life plan, I often think there is the life plan. And I love what Paul says. He says, therefore, so because of all these things that have happened before, because we have experienced or are experiencing the grace and the love of God, therefore, he says, as God's chosen people, and uh, I love that phrase too. Think about that for a moment. Wherever you are in life, if you're hearing these words, if you've uh, got onto this website or this YouTube channel or you're in this church and you're listening to these words, God has chosen you and appointed you for this time to hear his message, to hear his word. It isn't what I'm speaking, all right? Understand that, please. This is what God is saying. So Paul says you have been chosen Being chosen means you've been set apart. You've been set apart for God's purpose. So he has a plan. He has some kind of purpose for your life and for my life. And that makes everything worthwhile, right? I just think that's so exciting. Well, then he says you are holy and dearly loved. Holy means separated for a special purpose. So you have been chosen. We have been chosen by God and then set apart for a special purpose, And that special purpose is his plan for our lives, whatever that plan is. And that's what's so exciting about living in this day. Even at the end of this COVID season, it's exciting to be living in this day and age when we can understand that God has something incredible in store for us. We don't know what it is today, maybe. We don't know what it is in this moment. But let me tell you, he has a plan and it's secure and we can count on it. If I didn't trust that, I couldn't retire because I'd have to keep relying on, on myself and on my resources. And I've come to a place where I've said, no, God, you're in charge. I'm not. And so I'm willing to be led where you lead me and lead me wherever it is that you want me to go. That gives us incredible freedom. So holy and dearly loved. Now, I like that too, because God doesn't just love you. He dearly loves you. Think about the intimacy that's involved in that and dearly being loved. I've been married, as I said, for 53 years. And one of the things that Judy and I have discovered over the years, that we love each other more and more and more all the time. Oh, we see each other's mistakes. We, you know, we have issues and problems once in a while. But throughout every day, we, we always realize that our love is deepening. As we understand one another's issues and problems, uh, the only thing we can do is love more deeply. And that's how God looks at us. Because we're, I don't want to say crackpots, but we are. We're cracked vessels. Uh, we're not perfect. There, there's lots of stuff going on in our lives. And so God says, I dearly love you. So I've chosen you. I've set you apart. And I dearly, dearly love you. Now, because all of that is true, we have a different way of approaching life. So how do we approach it? Well, Paul says it in that next phrase. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now think about the kind of person you would like to be. As you begin your day, right, I don't know what you're like, but in the morning, I, I, after my shower, I look in the closet, I pick out what I'm going to wear, thinking about who I'm going to see, uh, what would be the best thing to wear during a day. But Paul says, oh, that's interesting, but that's not important. 
What's really important is how you clothe yourself spiritually each and every day because that's what he's talking about. What character are you putting on? Are you putting the strength of Christ into your life and is that strength going to be revealed? Because our our Christian faith, you see, isn't about what we say necessarily. It's about what we do. So Paul says in the morning, think about this, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Now imagine the difference that will make to the people that you come across on your day, every single day. It makes a huge difference, but it can only happen when our hearts are changed, right? And we accept this grace and this love of God, this change, this direction that God puts into us, and that makes all the difference in the world. And then he says this, really interesting, especially for those of us that are married. He says, bear with each other. Uh, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You know, that phrase, bear with each other, is really interesting because it tells us that when there is a problem, when there is a fissure, when there is a crack in our relationship, we hang in. We don't give up. Now, around the corner from where I live, there is a street that has three speed bumps. And those speed bumps are deadly. They were for me for a long time. I used to have a car that sat pretty low. And if I didn't slow down on those speed bumps, uh, there would be some damage. And there was some damage made to those cars. So bear with each other to me is always like a speed bump. When you come to a speed bump with your car, what do you do? You slow down, right? You take your time, you go over it, and then you keep going. Well, in our relationships, when we bear with each other, we slow down. And we have this conversation and we talk about it. And let me tell you, you may not resolve everything, but at least the communication has to start. And then you can speed up again. And guess what? There will be another speed bump. There will be another opportunity to bear with each other. And so God says to us, you bear with each other. You hang in. Well, how do you do it? Well, you do it by acknowledging your fault. You do it by asking for forgiveness. And you do it then by receiving forgiveness. You know, one of the worst things we do is to hold back our sense of forgiveness for other people. Well, you may say, but if you knew how my wife, my husband, my friend, if you knew how much he'd hurt me or she'd hurt me, you would say this all differently. And I go, no. And Paul wouldn't say it differently either. You know why? Because Paul answers it. He says, you forgive each other the way the Lord has forgiven you. Think about how you've abused your relationship with God maybe this day, this week. And God will forgive you when we come to him. When we approach him, he's very approachable. Our God is a God that has open arms. And he says, look, whatever you've done, we can talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's get through this. And then we can move on. It's a speed bump. We have a speed bump in our human relationships. We have them in our spiritual relationships with God too. And God longs to have that conversation with us. He longs to have it. So when our hearts are changed, when we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, when we commit our life to Jesus, at whatever level we do it, everything in life changes. I just love the thought of that. And then listen to this next phrase. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know what that reminds me of? Uh, A Jewish wedding. In a Jewish wedding, there is something called a chuppah. And a chuppah is uh, a canopy. 
And in some uh, Jewish weddings, it has four poles, and the, the chuppah is carried by four uh, members of the, of the bridal party. And wherever that bridal couple steps, those people will take that chuppah and that covering wherever they go. Now, it, it has lots of different meanings. But for me, I always think that chuppah represents God's blessing on that wedding, that covering. And that's the same blessing that God offers to you and me. But it's his love. You know, we are bathed and covered in God's love. I don't think we can ever fully appreciate how much God loves us. Uh, we cannot find the words. I can't find the words, even if I want to do it now. So, but the only way that I can describe it, God loves us like a covering that follows me wherever I go. And when I mess up and when I do whatever, God is always there blessing me, looking to, for my future, my direction. Uh, you know, I often say to people, I have this image of God that in the morning when, when I get up, uh, I will decide what my day is going to look like. And then I'll, I'll have this discussion with God. And this is God. God puts his arm around my shoulder, right, in the morning. And uh, he will say to me in our prayer time, well, Frank, what are we doing today? And I will go, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And then sometimes I hear God saying, well, you might not want to do that. And you might not want to go there. And then I go, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and I go do what I want to do because I'm Frank. And I get myself down some path and I go, ah, waste of time. I shouldn't have done this. And I turn around and guess what? There is God going, come here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's try this over. Now can we do it my way? This is the path. This is the journey that we have. But that's God's love. He chose us. He dearly loves us. And he wants to just exhibit that love day after day. So when I mess up, there he is. And gently leading me on the path that he wants me to go. So he may be glorified. That's what our life is about, right? That's the change in our life. When we stop thinking about ourselves and about our narcissistic values and what I want and, and what's important for me, and we, we change that around, and that can only happen when, when the love of Christ comes into us. And when that comes in, we can make those changes. And we're not perfect, but we can make those changes. And God gently leads us in the path that he wants us to go. Well, then he, in verse 15, he makes this great statement. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And isn't that something we're all looking for? I, I'm really reminded of it in this COVID season. The last year and a half have been tumultuous for most of us. Nothing has been normal. Everything is abnormal. We couldn't go to church. We couldn't sing together. We couldn't worship together. We learned to do it uh, via the internet, and that's good, and that's great, but it's just not quite the same for me as being in a room full of people and being surrounded by folks worshiping God. We do it, and, and it's working, and we're learning lots of new things, but it's still not the same. So th there, there was, there's for many of us a disconnect, and, and it's really hard. Uh, and one of the things I learned out of that is we need each other desperately. We need one another because God has put us in a community. And whether we find those communities online through the church or whether we find them in the church, somewhere we've got to be connected. And that's what God says here. Because when we're connected, we're going to find peace. But we'll find I'm not the only one that's going through this. Uh, the issue I have or the problem I have or sometimes the joyous thing that I'm going through, I'm not the only one. I'm surrounded by others. And somehow that gives me strength. But the greatest strength for me comes personally when I sit in worship and, or I stand in worship. 
and uh, yet again we're able to, to sing to God and praise him and worship him and adore him and bless him and be blessed by him. And to do that in community is just such a neat thing. It is so good for us. Because, Paul goes on to say, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You've been called into community. And so that's what we look for. And we're going to get to that point, trust me, when this COVID thing will fade away. And we're once again going to be able to embrace each other the way that we're used to doing. And and that will bring, I'm sure, all of us a, a phenomenal amount of joy. And then there's this just one little phrase at the end of verse 15, right? And be thankful. And be thankful. You know, I wonder how thankful we are. Uh, gratitude is a kind of an interesting thing. We find a lot to grumble about. Uh, I grumbled driving down here today. Uh, there was a, a white van in front of me who was driving incredibly slow. And there were people on both sides of me. So I couldn't do 75 or 80. And it really bothered me. And I kept thinking, would you get out of the way? You're in my way. Come on, I'm in a hurry. I got stuff to do. And then I'm thinking just now, boy, if that's the largest problem I got, because you think about where people in the world are, right? Think about where we get to live, what we get to experience, uh, who we get to be with, what we get to do. Uh, We have nothing to complain about or whine about. The fact that I had to slow down to 65 is the least of my problems. But what God says is stop whining and start being thankful. Be grateful that you have a car to drive in. Be grateful that it's a highway. Be grateful that the guy in front of you is trying to keep you slowed down to keep you safer, right? We have to look and we have to be thankful for all the things that are around us. And I will tell you right now that if you do that, your day will be filled with gratitude. Uh, Gratitude for every single thing that we have. Even those that have very little can be grateful. A number of years ago, I was in India and uh, one experience there that I will never forget, we were driving down one of the roads and I, I said to my driver all of a sudden, stop, stop. He kind of freaked out, panicked, pulled over. And as I was used to doing, uh, I jumped out of the van and my interpreter came running after me. What are we doing, Mr. Frank? What are we doing? I said, I want to see that family that's in that box. And there was a refrigerator carton sitting on the side of the road that had a cutout in it. And there was a man and a woman and a young child sitting in in that box. And I wanted to talk to them, right? So uh, this poor interpreter, I don't know what he all thought about me, but I got into a little brief conversation with this family. And what I gleaned from that conversation, they were so thankful they had a box. They were thankful that they had something to cover them, themselves, a husband and wife and a little baby. Well, put that in perspective. They had a box that they were grateful for. What are we thankful for? How do we express that gratitude to God, right? And then he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I love that because that's another uh, really great statement to us. Wherever we are in our journey with God, we've got to let this word dwell. And to dwell in our heart means it has to sit there and we have to kind of maneuver it and we have to talk to it and we have to listen to it and we have to read it and we have to think about it and we talk to God about it and let me tell you that there is uh, such incredible strength that comes out of these words but this printed word is a gift to us and so we need to wrestle with this word day after day this is not something we do once a week 
But what Paul says is do this daily. Let that word of God, let it wrestle in your heart and in your mind. Interact with it. And great things will come out of it. And when we do that, and I find that in myself as well, I read the word and, and I have so many times that I'll read something and I go, I've never seen that before. Has that always been there? And I reread the passage and reread it, never seen it. But that's the Holy Spirit working in us. And if we allow that Holy Spirit to work in us and allow that spirit to show us the word, it'll make an incredible difference in how we live day to day. So coming back to clothe yourselves, well, this is a whole long run of things that Paul is saying. Not only do we clothe ourselves, we recognize we are chosen by God. We have a direction. God loves us. We need to live in a relationships where we forgive one another, realizing we're forgiven. We need to grow in our relationship with God, and we do that through his word. And God will honor that. He will honor what we study, what we learn, and how we grow. And that leads us to singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. So out of our thanksgiving comes this sense where we will sing. Now, this is specifically about singing in worship, but let me tell you that very often uh, I've been accused of coming into the building, our church building, and, and the facilities that are usually there early in the morning when I'm there always know when I'm coming because they tell me I'm always singing or whistling. Because usually I start my day incredibly happy because uh, I'm excited about a new adventure, new things that I can mess up that I haven't messed up yet before, and new opportunities, right? And the fact that I walk into that church building thinking uh, I'm coming here because God loves me, he's given me a job that I love doing, I get to be with people, and that springs up in my heart and it causes me to sing. Well, let me, let me tell you something. If you walk into a building singing, first people will look at you like you're odd, but then very likely people are going to be put in a different mood and it will change and there will be joy around you. And I think that's part of what Paul is getting at. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, our, our love of God for us and our growing will cause joy in us. It just will. You know, one of the things about Pastor Herman is when I've seen him, he's usually happy. Even when he paid for the lunch bill, he's usually happy. And that's because the spirit of God is alive in him and it's real. And, and you can see that in people, right? Because that's the other thing about all of this. It has to be authentic. You can't put it on. You can't put a little shield on. That doesn't work because people will see through that in a, in a heartbeat. But this has to be real. It has to be authentic. And so the love of God and the love of Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit in your life has to be real. And then it will not only change your life, but it will impact all those around you. And then I love the closing part of this passage. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, there you are. So it isn't just about what you say. You know, we can talk a good game, right? Christians are pretty good too. We know the, the verbiage. We know how to say things. You know, we can throw out an hallelujah here and there. But what Paul says is, it's important what you say. And it's important that you're clear about your relationship with God. But what is even more important is what your walk is like. Does your walk match up to your talk? That's basically what he's saying here. And if your walk matches your talk, you're going to be joy-filled. You're going to have purpose. You'll have drive. 
and you will be living your life for God. One of my favorite uh, little uh, lines in scripture these days has been from Psalm 23, and you'll know this line, um, where uh, uh, David says, God leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And it comes back to my thought about God in the morning. He puts his arm around me. In that psalm, David, I think, has the idea that God puts his arm around us and he gently leads us where we ought to go, what is best for us. He doesn't push us. He doesn't order us. He doesn't prod us. He doesn't scare us into those kind of things, but he gently leads us. That's how Paul ends these words. God, in his incredible love, gently leads us into a place where we will benefit God, where we will give glory to God, where other people will want to be drawn in. You know, if you are a joy-filled individual, people are going to be drawn to you. If you're a grump and a whiner, people are going to distance. Well, how can we do the best job for God? To worship him with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, to let this word dwell in us, to have it sink in here and have it sink in here and then come out here. That's the path that God has chosen for us. Well, let's pray. Gracious and loving Father, thank you so much for the beauty of your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the change that he has made in our lives when we let him in, not only as Savior, but also as Lord when we allow him to sit on the throne of our hearts. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that helps make this word clear to us, that brings the truth to life for us. And we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, a good Father who loves us with a love that we cannot describe even on this day. And so, Father, we give you our words, we give you our life, we give you this day, we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Didn't, didn't I tell you guys that he had a remarkable gift for teaching God's word? Wasn't that wonderful? Thank you, Pastor Frank. Now, here's the deal, guys. What are we going to do with that word? How are we going to respond? So first of all, I just want to encourage you to, um, if you just point your, your phones at the QR code right here on the screen, it'll take you directly to our connection card. And there you'll see Next Steps with Jesus. And for somebody watching me today, listen. This is your moment to surrender your life to Jesus. Make him Lord and Redeemer, not just of today, but of your eternity and of your destiny. Uh, Because what Pastor Frank talked about was uh, the gift that comes with knowing Jesus in that kind of relationship. This is your moment. So check that box and say, count me in. And then for the rest of us, there is a response to the message that Pastor Frank has asked us to consider. Here it is uh, right here. I will dwell in God's word and seek to have dialogue with him daily. That is the commitment that we're asking you to make. Say it with me together. I will dwell in God's word and seek to have dialogue with him daily. Make that commitment right now. Start that new way of living first thing tomorrow. As a matter of fact, don't wait till tomorrow. Start your dialogue today. And in his reflection question that he's asked us to consider, how do I prepare myself in the morning 
for each new day.